Hey guys, you're listening to Butterfly Road, where we talk everything sport and mental health. I'm Jenny McGowan, joined by Carrie Ricaro, and it's time to get mentally naked. scary i've been freaking out all day shall we commence yes you start this is our first episode and we are so excited to be here are you excited carrie yes i'm so excited i feel like i haven't shut up about this for two weeks now and i've been kind of hyping this up so i really hope it's something that people want to listen to um i really don't know like what's about to come out of my mouth or what's about to come out of your mouth but i feel like in general, the stuff we're going to be talking about is really, really important. So regardless if we have um, just like our parents listening or like a hundred thousand people, I feel like it's going to be valuable. And for, I'm sure you're the same as me, but we just like love talking about the stuff anyway. So I feel like it's like a hobby of ours to babble on about mental health and athletics. And I feel like we could probably sit here for 20 hours, but the Zoom meeting only allows us to go for a certain amount of time until we have to pay the premium price. So we will try try to keep it. That is very low budget. Yeah, low budget until we um, start getting all the advertisements. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Probably in like a couple episodes, right? Yeah, I know. I'm really hoping that some people, some big ones, you know, I don't really even know who I'd like Carmex. I really hope Carmex listens in and they're like, listen, we need to send you a couple packages. That would be my dream. Actually, I did reach out to them once and ask them if they needed an ambassador and they politely shut me down. And I was just like, okay, well, let me know if you've ever need. I'm a huge, huge user of your stuff. It's bizarre. Okay. Brief, brief introduction for me. I am currently a professional soccer player. I play for the North Carolina Courage in the National Women's Soccer League. I am a proud, proud Notre Dame graduate, probably not as proud as Ginny is. She's like bleeding blue and gold over there. But I am um, from New York and I currently live in North Carolina and I'm loving life down here and playing soccer still. And that's pretty much it. Okay. That's all you want to do. You should go into like all your youth stuff that you did too. She won a World Cup, U20 World Cup. I know that was so long ago, but that's awesome. And I'm so, we're going to talk about that one episode actually, because I'm sure that was a lot. Oh yeah. That's, that's a good thing to talk about. Yes. I played in two World Cups. I won one and was the youngster on that team. And then I was able to be the captain my second time around and did not lead the team to victory, unfortunately, but it was fine. It was still a good experience. Um, Yeah. Played in college, had a great time. I don't know. I'm trying to think like got drafted to Houston, was there for a couple of years. And then I moved on to North Carolina where I've won back-to-back NWSL championships. And I am fortunate enough to be a part of like what I would say is one of the greatest women's soccer teams of all time I'm really really lucky I'm kind of regretting letting you go first now because (laughs) (laughs) I'll boost you up go okay I'm Ginny I'm from Lake Forest Illinois which is a suburb north of Chicago grew up playing soccer field hockey and tennis 
Um, quit tennis when I was in sixth grade, started doing the national pool stuff for soccer in eighth grade, and then all throughout high school. I still played field hockey in high school too, and I also played club growing up. But for soccer, when I was a sophomore, I decided that's what I wanted to do in college. Committed to Notre Dame, and yes, my dad did go there too, so I've kind of been domer my whole life. Graduated class of 2018 with a business degree in marketing and found a really awesome job out of college at a performance creative marketing agency in Chicago, and I'm still working there to this day, and I love it, living in the city too. Um, So that's pretty much it. I guess some fun facts. I'm a sucker for really bad but really good reality TV. Like Love Island is one of my biggest obsessions and I've seen every single season, which is a little embarrassing because there's like 50 episodes a season and about 15 seasons. So that's good. And then Siesta Keen, obviously the Bachelor series. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, something that I did want to point out before we really dive in is that even though Carrie and I's backgrounds are very similar, what we deal with in terms of mental health and sport is very different. And I think that we're going to find that across all the athletes that we talk to and the ones that we bring in, that there isn't one person that has the same experience with when it comes to either anxiety or depression in sport or in life in general. So um, that'll be really interesting and it'll be nice because it won't get repetitive. Every single person that we talk to is going to have a different story, different way they dealt with it. Um, And I'm just really excited to get into that. Yeah, I think when you initially approached me about this idea and over the past two weeks while we've been kind of brainstorming ideas, I have realized that we are more different and what we have experienced is very different, but also like stays under the umbrella of just like general mental health. But it's just crazy. I've started to reflect on how we lived a similar journey in college for the most part, but a lot of what we experienced internally was opposite or very different, or we spiraled in different ways. Um, And it'll be really cool to like reflect on that and kind of let others in and have them be able to relate to us. Hopefully one of us, or if none of us, hopefully someone else that we bring on. But I think having two different perspectives about this situation is really important, especially because it's not really talked about that much. And I feel like the more different points of view that we can kind of like cover, I feel like it'll just be like informative for people to start to understand a thing, something that's so misunderstood in society. I do want to say, because she was bragging about me, that Ginny was a business major at Notre Dame and the Mendoza School of Business is the number one business school like ever, right? like for a hundred years running or a couple of years in a row, like five. So to graduate from the Mendoza College of Business You're is- for straws here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, not grasping. No, no, no. I was like, I can't do it. I'm not going to be a business major. And I went all the way over to the arts and letters, which is fine. I'm not digging on the arts and letters. I graduated. I did great. I worked hard. It was not easy, but I'm just saying- the Mendoza School of Business was another tier at Notre Dame and it was very intimidating and scary and it was difficult. So you should pat yourself on the back. And I feel like anyone like, I don't know if I graduated from Mendoza, I'd be like, yeah, I was in a business school, but I can't freaking say that because I was in the arts and letters school, but it's fine. So I did just want to say that before we got going. 
Um, well, thank you. You're welcome. Back back to mental health now. Now that we're done bragging about each other, which is sweet. Oh, I'm still nervous. It's hard to balance like imagining people listening to this and being like, what do they want me to say? Is that weird if I say that? Like, am I sound like, is this weird? Is this what a podcast sounds like? But also like talking to you and this is supposed to just be like a conversation about us to, with us too. I know we've had this conversation probably hundreds of times just on the phone or in person. But now that I have a, a ring light in front of me and notes in front of me and this microphone in front of me, I'm like, crap, like yeah. the cat has my tongue. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I just keep looking at your hair and you look so pretty and I just I'm like a wet dog fresh out of the shower and it's embarrassing but it's fine um okay so I will I will start with this Ginny randomly texted me about two weeks ago and she was like we should start a podcast and to be honest it was late at night I was already sleeping because I practiced the next day and I was like she's drunk and so I was just like yeah cool like awesome idea like literally thought she was kidding and I was kind of kidding I was like yeah sure whatever like we'll start a podcast And then the next day she ended up reaching out to me, sending me like a 20 minute long video that was so long that she had to send it in clips through WhatsApp. We literally talk every day. What do you mean reaching out? Oh, (laughs) well about this, like was re-reaching out about this podcast idea because I thought it was just like, oh, she was drunk and just being a silly girl. So she reaches out about this, this podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, as she started to say it, and I was so honored that she asked me to be her co-host, I I like couldn't have been more excited. And I think you were nervous that I was not going to want to be a part of it at first, maybe. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I like. I thought it could have gone two ways. Like either you'd be super excited or you'd be like, I can't. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I'm someone that can just talk about this stuff all day long because I feel like no one talks about it and it's really important. So basically that's kind of how it got started we were just like, this is something where as athletes, we have this platform, her being a retired athlete and me still being a current professional athlete. We just have this platform now where we can speak out about all the things that everyone's kind of afraid to talk about for whatever reason. And we're kind of just trying to like normalize it and be like, hello, we are two normal young adults that have struggled with mental health and all the, anything under that umbrella. And we're still like functioning and we're okay. And like, people still think we're cool. Um, I don't know about that part. Well, people think I'm cool and I think she's cool. So it's fine. (laughs) With mental health, it's just, no one talks about it. And I feel like if I were to talk about the daily issues that I went through and experienced, then I would, I was so scared. I was going to be looked at as weak. Um, I didn't think people would think I was a good leader on the field. Um, yeah. So there, there were a lot of reasons like those that I thought, you know, a podcast would be great. And also because every single time I would hear about someone else having something like anxiety while at Notre Dame, it, it like automatically brought me up and made me happier because I'm like, you're not alone. I am not alone. Right. And this person's dealing with the same things. They're frustrated in the same way. And they're also not getting help. Like I'm not getting help. And it's people that I knew were dealing with this, that I never, just by looking at them or knowing them on the team, I never would have thought they would have had these issues. And obviously I'm not going to name names, but um, it, it really is incredible. And I do think 
right now we're starting to see a rise of athletes, college and professionals starting to speak out Mm -hmm. about this and saying, yeah, like I, it's like the me too movement almost. It's like, yeah, I also deal with this. So, um, yeah. Well, it's really interesting that I feel like when I was at school, I was the one person that was telling everyone that they should go get help because I went my freshman year. I didn't really have a choice. I came in my freshman year. I missed the first month of school. I was at the World Cup. It was like a complete shit show. I did not know where my dorm was. I was a month behind in my classes. I showed up and I didn't even know like where my first class was. And then I had an exam the next day. It was just like an absolute nightmare. I had no friends except for one girl that was on my team. And I was absolutely lost the entire semester, but I ended up going to the psychologist at the student center, the general student center where everyone went. And I wasn't really shy about it because she was super helpful for me. And it was like vital that I got the help that I needed. Um, But then over the years, I was the one that was always encouraging everyone else to go and get the help. But I feel like for so, I feel like I was repeating myself a hundred times. No one wanted to go get the help. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm this, or I'm feeling that, or I'm feeling this. And I'm like, well, then let's go. Why are we hiding it? Why are we being shy about it? Why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't we willing to take that step to go get the help? And I think a lot of it is people just not wanting to admit that they are mentally ill or they're struggling with anxiety or depression, especially at a place like Notre Dame, where we're all supposed to be the most perfect student athletes of all time and become rich and have the white picket fence. So, I mean, I just feel like there's was this stigma at Notre Dame, especially, but obviously in the sports world and in the regular world. And I, I've, I've always been someone that has not been shy about speaking out. I think I could be better. And I am obviously being better now as I'm doing this podcast and starting to be more active on social media and use my platform. But for whatever reason, people still have to adjust and they're looking almost like down on people that talk about mental illness or kind of mm-hmm. just like looking the other way and not being an advocate. And it's just not helping the situation like you said, we are so big on making sure we're physically ready. We're preventing injuries. We're like in tip top shape and this, that, and the other, but no one really is addressing, oh, how are we doing with our mental health? How, how are you feeling today? I wrote this down. I have notes and it's, I mean, it's crazy. Like, are you, is someone ever going to think you underperform because of your mental well-being or are they automatically going to attribute a performance to you being fit enough and technical enough and tactically aware enough no one's no coach is ever going to look at a player and say oh you had a really bad day are you anxious or are you feeling okay mentally they're going to be like well you had a bad first touch and you aren't fit enough and blah 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 they're never and I don't know how to change that I feel like that's going to take a lot of time but it's just something that you don't I feel like players almost don't want to use it as an excuse to say, oh yeah, well, I was feeling anxious. That's why I didn't play well at practice today. Even though that is such a valid excuse for so many people. Yeah, no, I know. And I think it it's because you can't see it. Like you can't, it doesn't show up on like an x-ray or an MRI. Like you can't really tell. And it's funny that you say, you brought up that example. I've never heard you bring that up before actually, but quite literally all of my worst performances in my soccer career have been because of my performance anxiety. And this is what I think it's good to, and what I was alluding to before is we do have different anxiety. And for me specifically, it is performance anxiety, like from as young as I can, or as far back as I can remember, 
my first soccer game in like AYSO, I remember actually crying because I was nervous. Imagine being nervous to go play a sport that you actually enjoy playing. It's not that I don't enjoy soccer. Like I love it. And I grew up watching the Premier League. Like Rooney was my favorite player and I was like seven or eight. And um, I was always playing in the backyard, but then for games or even practices, I would literally cry. Like, that's crazy to think about now. If I was like six or seven crying before a game, I think that's insane. Um, yeah, I, I actually wrote this in my notes. When, uh, I think a week ago, I was so excited to do this podcast. I started writing notes and I was like, what are we going to say? I wrote this. I wrote, we play sports for fun. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we forget. And I wrote like about how same thing, like there's a time I put so much pressure on myself that I couldn't play well. I couldn't function. I, I just couldn't handle it. And I mean, yeah, I obviously like have a roller coaster ride of a career and there's ups and downs in anyone's career, but I, it's the same thing. And it takes a lot of courage to go up to a coach or like I, anyone, I guess, in the real world, a boss or a parent or someone, it takes a lot of courage because I think a lot of people are afraid that someone's not going to understand them when they try to explain how they're feeling. Like you said, you can't see it. So you're going to go up to someone and say, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z, but they can't see it. So yeah. are they going to misunderstand you? Are they going to be able to empathize you if they've never felt that before? Yeah. And that's like one of the most terrifying things. Someone not being able to empathize with you when you are literally about to blow up because you're so anxious. Yeah. So what I think is happening is they are confusing like an actual diagnosable sickness with being what coaches say is mentally weak. And it's such a like blurry line between the two. And I know there is a component like to being a professional athlete or a collegiate athlete or an athlete in general, you'd want to be mentally tough, but where does your mental toughness stop being able to help you get over your actual mental illness. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, no matter how mentally tough you are, if you have a mental illness, like performance anxiety or depression or whatever is going on, like that is going to completely take over all the mental toughness you have. And it's going to dominate you in that way until you get help. It's that powerful. And it's, it's like a force to be reckoned with almost. And what I was going to say was when I was in the national camps, that's when it really started kind of affecting my future. Because when you're in the national pool, there's a lot of, a lot of expectations for you to like keep going and you want to stay on the track. You want to st- keep mm-hmm. getting in. You want to make the national team, yada, yada. And I remember at my first national team camp and I cried every single day. And then I got called in for another one. I thought the first one was it. Like, I didn't really know a lot about the national pool or whatever. I thought the first one was it. And then I got called in for a second one. And I literally told my parents, I would like, I wanted to die than rather go there. Like, that's how serious it was to me in the moment. And same with like every single game I played in college. I felt like before the games, I was going to die. That's how nervous and scared I was to perform. And it's crazy because not very many people know that. That's when I, my parents finally were like, okay, this girl, (laughs) she needs to get in front of a therapist or something. Thank God though. Like, honestly, thank God they did that. Cause I feel like some people are like, no, I don't want my kid going to a therapist because there's a stigma with it. Like it can't hurt. It can't ever, even if you don't have any problems going on in your life, just like talking to someone 
who has a degree in what the hell is going on in your mind. They have the tools. I always say, just they're just giving you the tools to yeah. help you better your life. Is that so bad? Is that so bad? Is that embarrassing to say, oh yeah, I'm going to ask someone how to better my life. I have so many things to address based on what you said. First of all, you said it yourself. I had no idea that you dealt with that when we went to school for two years together and we were with each other every day. And I had no clue that you dealt with that until you told me mm-hmm. until I, we started to become close and open up to each other. Um, there was something else you made me think of. Oh, when you were saying how mental illness starts to take control over you, no matter how mentally tough you are. It, this is the one thing I tell everyone. And I learned this firsthand from someone who also struggled with mental illness and I will, I tell this to everyone, I will never forget. And I think this is like the most important message for people to know loud and clear mental illness doesn't discriminate. They don't care if you're a girl, a boy, white, black, gay, straight, rich, poor, whatever you have a chance to be affected by it. And it's out of your control, no matter how resilient or mentally tough you are. I've been someone my whole life. I've been like the biggest badass, tough, bitch ever. I'm this New York spicy, feisty, hard ass (laughs) bitch. I am. That's how, how would you describe me? That's exactly it. Right. Like that. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm this feisty New Yorker. I'm this fighter. I'm a warrior. I have a tattoo on my foot that literally translates into fighting spirit. And I'm someone that multiple times with multiple things in my life, I've dealt with mental illness. Some things not as severe as others and some things so severe that it's really hard to talk about. And I actually talked to my mom about this yesterday on the phone. We talked for an hour about this because our family, we grew up kind of living in this life where back home in my hometown, we're not surrounded by this. We're kind of in the, you know, the middle class town where no one's talking about being mentally ill or if if someone is mentally ill, they're not telling anyone or they're not speaking about it. They're kind of hiding it or whatever the situation is. So I grew up my whole life not knowing this was a thing until I got to college and it hit me like a load of bricks. And I was like, well, holy shit, this is almost just too much for me to handle. I don't care how tough I am. I I don't want to be here. I want to go home and bag groceries at Stop and Shop. And my dad always used to say, well, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. Why would you throw your life away? And I considered it. I didn't care that I was sitting on this winning lottery ticket at Notre Dame and that life was going to be handed to me after because of the opportunity that Notre Dame was giving me. I literally didn't care. I was like, yeah, I want to bag groceries. That's how mentally fudged up I was. So funny. I've never heard you say that because I used to say that to my therapist. He goes, what, like, he would always ask me what, my like what I'm feeling if when I picture my life after soccer and I was like I'm literally feeling the happiest emotions I've ever felt in my life like this after soccer is done I'm I cannot wait and that is honestly so sad to say that for me and I know we have different experiences with that but to actually be at a point in college and this was like sophomore year of college I had basically three more years to go of college soccer and I was like I can't wait to be done Like that is so messed up, but it was completely out of my control. My anxiety, my performance anxiety made me feel like I was drowning every single time I had to step out onto the field, whether it be practice or game. And um, yeah, it's, it's so crazy though, that it was like our minds were kind of compartmentalizing our anxiety, or maybe it was, at least for me, it made me realize that, wow, this really is based in my performance. And yeah, it did bleed into other areas of my life, but it was mainly just like, I can tell you sitting here right now, the 
amount of anxiety that I experienced day to day is just, it's like minuscule, barely even any compared to what I had every single day in college. So you would say what you suffered from was just sports related. Like you don't deal with it in your work life. I would say, oh, work life a little bit, just a little bit. But in my opinion, and I think in later episodes, we can kind of dive in into of course, yeah. the details of our own problems. But in my opinion, I think that anxiety that I experienced still to this day almost helps me be successful. But it's a really dangerous fine line between helping and then hurting you in college. I It hurt me. All of it hurt me. And I thought that I had to feel that way in order to perform well. I basically thought if I'm not freaking out right now, I'm not going to perform well. If you saw what she looked like, she this girl is one of the most beautiful human beings inside and out. I tell people if I... Are you talking? A, yes, I'm talking about you. I, tell, I, say, I talk behind your back. I say, if I were to date a woman... Like she was, she, <laughs> she would absolutely 100% be the person I go for. That's so awkward because yeah. wouldn't be the person I'd go for. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, that's rich. Uh, oh, that's good. Um, I was just going to say something um, about how you were saying how when you're playing your sport it's, and you suffer from anxiety or performance anxiety, it starts to obviously affect your performance. A lot of people think athletics is your escape. It's your one and a half hours of a day where you go out on the field and you kind of just like let your mind free and you're not thinking about all the troubles in your life. And I think I've had it both ways where sometimes it is freeing. It does give me endorphins. It does kind of take my mind away from all the struggles. It takes me away from social media and my phone and my family and my friends. It kind of puts me in this free world where I get to just like worry about me and the ball and it can be so wonderful sometimes but then there's times where my sport is the problem and it is the thing causing me anxiety and then you kind of have to figure out are there other things in your life whether that's getting help medication other hobbies other things you can do I mean obviously we will dive into all of this um yeah one more thing I was gonna say about pivot you because and I meant to touch on this earlier when you were saying you're this like feisty girl from New York, like badass, won World Cup, just weary one over your accolades. Um, and that's exactly how I saw you coming to freshman year. But there were definitely times where I experienced these ebbs and flows of depression or depressed feelings. And I don't know. And that's something I feel like a lot of people or maybe athletes might be able to relate to is like, oh, well, how do I know if I'm actually ill or am I'm have depression you might not like know how to like we don't know how to diagnose this it's such like a freaking abstract thing right now in society and it's basically just based on what you feel and if you feel like you have symptoms of what depressed people feel then you maybe feel like a mild case of depression and I definitely am someone that throughout my time in college and I think in high school too with all the pressures I put on myself and all the experience I've had I'm definitely someone that have had ebbs and flows of anxiety and depression in mild and severe cases for sure but some people are hesitant to be like yeah I was depressed or some people use that term as like you know they use it to be funny like oh my god I'm so depressed you do it in a joking way but it's like okay but if you were actually like you wouldn't be joking about it right so sometimes when people make jokes I'm like offended I'm just like oh yeah I was having a panic attack and like most people will probably brush it off be like oh she's just kidding like no I legitimately just had a panic attack but you don't need to know 
the severity of it. Right. But how many times have I texted someone and been like, oh my God, I just had a panic attack about the blah, 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 about the bird that was in the road and I ran over it. And it's like, no, I didn't actually have a panic attack. So maybe it's on me. Maybe I should be the one. I don't know. Is it appropriate to joke about that stuff? I'm not sure. No. Sometimes but- I joke about it, but then sometimes I'm serious. Have it. Are we afraid? Right. If someone goes, oh, I had a panic attack and I'm not going to be like, well, did you really? Did you really have one? If not, then you can't say that. Like, no. And like, that's also why I think it's such a weird topic or subject Mm -hmm. because you never know. You never know. I feel like even just listening to our experiences or if there's even like one thing someone can pick up on, I think having people like us that you can relate to and know that you're not alone or maybe you can learn something and say oh maybe crap maybe I was feeling depressed and I just was like a little scared to admit it I feel like there's so much we're going to address in all different like aspects under this umbrella of mental health mental illness and depression anxiety like losing your identity after your sport or suicide or like there's so many different areas that we're going to cover and so many different big time athletes or random people that we both know that might want to be guests on this or small time athletes or small time athletes like Ginny herself (laughs) I'm just kidding that was a joke that was that is an accurate statement but sorry that's you can go you deserve it after you said you would not date me so that's true but anyway I'm just saying I feel like it's really important for people to to know they're not alone and maybe if they're hesitant to take the next step maybe they're like oh I don't know if I need therapy or not maybe this could be therapeutic for you to listen to two girls kind of shooting the shit about something that's really it's real it exists there is a stigma it's misunderstood and we're going to talk about it and just kind of get this conversation rolling because it's kind of overdue and it just needs to be had and I'm I'm kind of have had it up to here which if you could see where my hand is it's not very high because I wanted it to stay in the zoom but now it's up all the way I've had it freaking up to there and so I'm, I just think it, this is so important. I literally could babble for 45 days straight. I will stop babbling now. Okay, we can literally talk about this for so long, but that's why we made a podcast and it's been 30 minutes. So our time is pretty much up. If you guys are still here and listening, thank you so much. It's about 29 more minutes than most people can handle me speaking. So major props to you. Next week, we'll be talking about Dak Prescott and his comments about his own mental health struggles. And then we'll also be diving into our good friend Skip Bayless's comments in response to Dak's. We also made an Instagram, so if you don't already follow us, please do. It's super cute, and I promise we won't bombard your feed with stupid stuff. Um, And we made an email, so if you have any suggestions or you just want to reach out and talk to us, we would honestly love nothing more. So please, please do that. We're in the process of creating a website so we can put all of our show notes and our citations and other cute little things so uh, we'll let you guys know via instagram once that's up okay i'm gonna cut myself off now but thank you guys for the millionth time and we'll talk soon bye